Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burgoon campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. morning everyone and welcome to week two of our series Submerged. I hope that you're enjoying the journey that we're on together because today we're looking at a beautiful passage of scripture in John chapter four and you just saw it in a play just then. We're talking about living water this morning and just how precious it is and it reminds us of what Simon and Sue were talking about a little earlier. People are willing to part ways with a fair chunk of change for a set of pearls because of how beautiful and significant they are. They see something of immense value, something of incredible worth, and so they're willing to put a whole lot of money into grabbing hold of it. And yet we know that what Jesus offered the woman at the well is something of far greater value than that. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. And Jesus is saying there is nothing more significant, nothing more important for your life and for your soul, the the deepest part of who you are than the gift that he has for you. And mums and dads, we know that, we profess that, that's why we're here this morning, but it's so easy to live as if that's not true, to take it for granted, allow the things to take that place. The living water that Jesus offers us is life-changing. It's precious. And here's the thing. The story that we're looking at this morning says that gift is for everyone. For everyone. We saw it in the play. Jesus is on his way to Galilee from Judea. And he has to make his way through a place called Samaria to get there. And he stops in a little town called Sychar at a well probably because he was thirsty and tired. And there he meets a woman. And I know you're probably thinking, okay, so what? But the way that he interacts with that woman is incredibly significant. See, we've got to understand the context. And kids, I want you to stick with me through this. It's about to get a little bit heavier. Some stuff in here you may not understand, but just stay with me. If we stick together, we're gonna be okay, all right? Strength in numbers. Here's what it is. Jesus was a Jew, The woman at the well was a Samaritan. And the truth is that Jews and Samaritans hated each other. And I know you're probably sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, I'm not even allowed to say that I hate my mum's cooking. And you just said that they hate people. That's terrible, you're terrible. And you're right, it is, I am, but it's true. It's awful. And I wish that it wasn't true, but it's true. And it's not like they just kind of struggled with each other, you know, they didn't really get along. No, it was actually so much worse than that. There'd been generations of racial animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. They wanted nothing to do with each other. 
So much so that Jews would often travel all the way around Samaria to get to Galilee because they didn't want to set foot in that place or even encounter one of those people. They couldn't stand each other. It was terrible. And yet here is Jesus interacting with a Samaritan. We know that it was a, a patriarchal society and if you don't know what that word means, just ask your mum and dad on the way home. I'm sure they'd have just the greatest time in the world explaining that to, to you. But what it basically means is culturally, it was inappropriate for a man to be speaking to a woman in public that he did not know. And that seems so bizarre to us. That's just the strangest thing ever. But that's culturally what was expected. It was inappropriate. And yet here is Jesus doing exactly that. On top of that, we know that this woman was actually an outcast. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been at the well in the first place. Nobody went to the well in the middle of the day. You went early in the morning so that you could avoid the heat of the day, but also so that you actually had water for the chores and the work that you needed to do that day. That's when you went. And she's there in the middle of the day because she's avoiding people, because she's a social and moral outcast. And that's only confirmed by what happens later in this story, the question that Jesus asks her. And yet Jesus shows us the gospel, the good news in action as he reaches through all of that. There are so many barriers so many reasons why Jesus should not engage with this woman, yet he dismantles every one of them, completely destroys them. And he reaches through the racial barrier. He reaches through the gender barrier, the social and moral barrier, even the cultural barrier, as he engages with this woman. And he can only do that because verse 10 tells us that the living water that Jesus is talking about eternal life, that it's a gift. Here's what Jesus says. Oh, if you only knew the gift of God, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It's a gift. And it goes on to say, everyone who drinks this water, he's talking about the well, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Living water is eternal life. And here's the thing, it's a gift. It's a gift, which means it's an act of grace. But it also means that it's egalitarian. It's for everyone. The gospel has the power to pierce through every barrier, whatever might stand in its way. It has the power to reach anyone because it's not about you. It's not about where you were born. It's not about the life you've lived. It's not about how good of a person you are. That's not what eternal life is about. It's a gift that God gives to anyone who believes. So that's the first thing about the living water, it is for everyone and anyone who believes. <coughs> Excuse me. The second thing 
is that the living water satisfies your soul, the deepest part of who you are. It's actually the part of you that is eternal, that lasts forever. See, there's a reason that Jesus uses the analogy of water. I don't know if you've ever been dehydrated, but your body starts to crave water. And it makes sense when you think about it. 60% of the human body is actually water. The brain and the heart are around 70% water. Your lungs are around 80% water. Even your bones contain about 30% water, which is weird when you think about it. That we need water. Without it, we die. It's the harsh reality, we die, right? So when you're dehydrated, your body starts sending signals to your brain saying, hello, we need water ASAP. And the longer it goes, the worse it gets. I don't know if you've ever been. I remember when I was about 20, I worked for a friend doing roofing insulation for a while. This is the worst job I've ever had by far. This is the best one, but that was definitely the worst one. Queensland, it's summer, so it's like 40 degrees. You're sitting up in a roof somewhere wearing a full hazmat uh, suit because the insulation is fiberglass, so if it touches your skin, it irritates and gets stuck in there and it's itchy, it's the worst thing ever. So you're wearing a, a full hazmat suit, right, to make sure that doesn't happen. You're up in the roof for an hour or two, however long it takes you to, to put all the, the insulation bats out. You come down and you're literally drenched drenched. You take off the hazmat suit and it's like you've jumped in a pool because your clothes are just soaked through. It's disgusting, let me tell you, and it stinks. Now, if I know that I stink, it really means that I stank badly, right? But that's what it's like. But here's the thing. After you've done that, you get down and you go and you grab some water. It is the most beautiful thing you've ever tasted in your life. You think you're gonna die, you're like struggling and you drink that water and it's beautiful. It's like liquid gold and that's exactly Jesus' point. He's saying, I've got something that your soul needs just as much as your body needs water. In fact, I've got something that satisfies your soul, that is as life-giving to your soul as water is to a parched mouth, to the person who's just dying of thirst. That's the living water that Jesus has. And I want you to understand, kids, you gotta understand, eternal life, this isn't about some kind of ticket into heaven. It's not what this is about. We get to the door and we just give him the ticket and off we go off into eternal life. That's not it. Eternal life starts now. Tim Keller says eternal life is through the Spirit's power. So he's the one who brings it. The assurance and experience of God's love, His pardon, His presence, and His grace. And that's something that we can receive now. And there's not some kind of age limit on that. You don't have to reach a certain age before you're allowed to actually take hold of eternal life. It's not true that it starts now and it's for anyone regardless of your age. See, we were created to walk in relationship with our God and King. It's what we were created to do. It's how we were created. That our identity is found in Him. That we know who we are. We know our value. We know our worth when we're in Him. That our purpose is found in Him. 
The fullness of life that every single person is craving is found in him. So when we experience that, that pardon, that presence, the grace and the mercy and the love of God, everything that Tim Keller was talking about, when we experience that and we're reconnected with our creator, that it satisfies our soul, the deepest part of who we are, that it gives us life, that it satisfies our soul in a way that nothing else can. Nothing else. That which is temporary cannot hope to satisfy that which is eternal. Remember, your soul is eternal. The temporary stuff can't hope to satisfy the deepest part of who you are. Only God can do that. Which is why we get to verse 16. And completely out of the blue, Jesus asked this woman to go and find her husband. Have you ever wondered why that's there? I mean, it's a little odd, let's be honest. They're having a great conversation. It really looks like they're starting to get somewhere. And then Jesus tells her to go and find a husband, knowing full well that she doesn't have one. I mean, what's the deal? I can guarantee you that it wasn't just this random thought that sprung out of Jesus' head. I can guarantee you he's not trying to change the subject. He's trying to show her something incredibly important. He's saying, listen to me. I know that you're craving that living water, but you're digging wells in all the wrong places. I know that you're searching for that deep soul satisfaction, but you're looking in the things of this world. And it's just not gonna work. That all it's brought you is pain and disappointment. And by the way, it's exactly the same for us. You could try and find that deep soul satisfaction in the things of this world. You could try. You could look for it in money, in status, in a career. You could try to find it even in your kids and in your family, in relationships. You can try. It doesn't matter. It will not work. You will thirst again. And yet Jesus is saying, don't look there. Don't do that. Don't look there. Look to me that I can give you living water that you might never thirst again. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to do anything. It's a gift and it's there for you if you want it. That's what Jesus is saying. And that would be true for each and every one of us here today. We're gonna finish this morning by entering into a time of communion. But before we do that, I wanna read, <coughs> excuse me, verse 21 for you. It gets to a strange part in the story. A woman tries to deflect Jesus' question because let's be honest, it's fairly personal. And so she asks this theological question in response to try to deflect and try to take it from the personal to something a little less personal, right? Where should we worship, here or Jerusalem? And this is what Jesus says. He says, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. In other words, he's saying, listen, hate to break it to you, but Jerusalem is the real temple, not this one. 
but, and that word is incredibly important. He says, but a time is coming. And the Greek actually says an hour is coming. That's significant. Remember that. An hour is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seek. Jesus is saying, yeah, the temple is in Jerusalem, but you've got to understand a time is coming when none of that will matter. The sacrifices, the temple, all of that is pointing to me and my hour has come. You know, every time John uses that word, the word hour, every single time that he uses it in the book of John, he's referring to the cross. Every single time. Jesus says, my hour has come. That's significant. It's the heart of all of this. That's why Jesus can pierce through every barrier. Racial, cultural, social, moral. Doesn't matter, he can pierce through every barrier. That's why he can offer living water, eternal life to anyone who believes. That's why he can offer it to this woman who had not lived the most glorious of lives. That's how he can do it. Because on the cross, he thirsted that we might never thirst again. That he was cut off from the Father that we might be reunited to the well of life. And all of this comes back to the cross and to the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. The price he paid that he might offer eternal life to us as a gift. It all comes back to the cross. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend some time reflecting. Reflecting on, on who Jesus is, the sacrifice that he made for us and the love that it shows us, the love that he has for each and every one of us. If you're here as a family today, maybe this is something that you can spend a little bit of time engaging with your kids and talking to them about what it means to do that as a family. If you didn't get a communion pack on your way in, please raise your hand and the ushers will get you one now. Just remember that the wafer is on top of the purple lid. So if you rip off the purple lid, you're ripping off the wafer as well. So just remember that. But I want you to spend some time reflecting on the cross thanking Jesus for the living water, eternal life that we might never thirst again. Thanking him for the price that he paid to make that a reality and to make it true that he could offer it to us as a gift. Let's spend some time reflecting.
The bread symbolizes his body, which was broken for us. The juice, his blood that was spilled, that we might be free. Let's eat and drink as people who have taken hold of the free gift of grace, eternal life, because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. Let's eat and drink together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for who you are, how beautiful you are, how kind you are, how much you care for us, how much you love us and the links that you would be willing to go to lead us into life. And we think about the woman in the well and how you radically changed her life by offering her the free gift of living water, eternal life. It's a beautiful story. You are a beautiful God. And we pray, Father, that it would lead us into a passion, a zeal, that we would want others to know the beautiful thing that you have done for us, that we would want others to know and to taste and to see the goodness of who you are, to taste the living water. We pray, Father, that our lives would point to you, that our lives would honour and glorify you, that create opportunities for us to share our faith, to share the gospel, the good news. But we pray, Father, that we would live, live in line with what it is that you have done for us. We'd be always ready, just like that woman was, always ready to share the incredible things that you have done for us. This we pray for in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.